That ought to be our prayer, shouldn't it? Completely yours. I was, we had a men's conference yesterday. Five or six of us rode over to Charlottesville, Virginia, where there's a men's conference, and I was, I was telling them about a conversation I was having with the Lord a couple of weeks ago. I had gotten up to, on Monday morning, to drive to West Virginia for a, a jubilee, about 140 or 50 pastors, and I don't know, 1,000 or 1,200 people there. And I was riding early in the morning, about five and a half hours, and I was riding in the mountains of West Virginia, and I was just thinking in my mind about the week. I said, well, we're going to go up here to West Virginia, and then we're going to preach tonight, and we're going to preach tomorrow morning, and we're going to come back home, and then we're going to get up on Wednesday and go to Durham, and there was a youth conference there in Durham, and I'm telling you, God blew through, and then uh, finished at Durham Wednesday night and Thursday morning, went over to a place called Stanfield, North Carolina. I had asked five people who grew up in North Carolina, have you ever heard of Stanfield? Not one of them had ever heard of Stanfield. And they were from North Carolina. And when I got to Stanfield, I found out why. <laughs> you just don't find Stanfield by accident. But God met with us in Stanfield Thursday night, Friday morning, and Friday night. Saturday morning, I, I got back in that afternoon. On Saturday, I was driving back, planning to stop in Fredericksburg for a meeting. I was supposed to preach at I had the wrong date, so I kept on driving. But I knew that the next day we were headed to Pensacola after the Father's Day service, and we had about seven hours, seven and a half hours down on Sunday night, and seven and a half hours on Monday, and about 11 times of preaching there. Thursday night, we finished at Pensacola and jumped in the car about 10 o'clock, and we drove about seven and a half hours and checked into Greenville, South Carolina Hotel about 5 a.m. We were checking in at 5 a.m. Friday morning for Thursday night. <laughs> and they said, you're just getting here. Yes, we need about seven hours. So we got up about noon and got on the road about 1 o'clock and got in about 10 o'clock Friday night. And then Saturday morning, the men and I rode down to Charlottesville where I was speaking at a men's conference and heard another pastor after that, and I jumped in the car and rode over to Fredericksburg and finished a youth rally yesterday and got back home about 4 o'clock. So I was thinking about all of this a couple weeks ago. I said, whoa, I tell you what, there's a lot going on, Lord. And then God and I were having a conversation. And this is what I said to the Lord, and I'm not trying to sound spiritual. I said, Lord, this thing about serving you, about living for you, I'm boxing myself in. Uh, Lord, you're not something I do. You're all I do. And uh, I said, Lord, I just want to be completely yours. And I understand that there has to be some wisdom, and we all have to pray for that, don't we? Because, uh, you know, we, we can serve the Lord so much we'd be dead, right? And uh, so my wife stays on me. She wasn't going to let me go to Pensacola by myself. She, she has to go there to ride in the car to tell me how to drive. Yeah. Between naps. <laughs> um, I, she's in my ear quite a bit. And, honey, honey, you need to 
You need to be careful. You need to slow down. I'm not talking about driving. I'm just talking about life. You, you got to rest. You got to, and, and, and I understand that. I have, to give, I have to give good thought to that. I want to tell you something. I am so serious about this. God is all I have. He's all I want. And I'm, my wife said, honey, when are you going to go back to golfing? I, I, don't, I can't golf right now. The chest won't let me golf. But I want to be honest with you. And God knows I'm a sports fan. I enjoy golf. I love basketball. I love food. I'm not even ready to go golf. If I could golf, I don't think I would. I'm not ready to give it four hours of my time. I'm all in. I'm all in. If, if you take serving God out of my life, I don't have anything. I put all my eggs in the basket. I've thrown my family, my life, my health, my future. And I don't know. We're going to go to heaven one day and I know I'm going to heaven. I wasn't saying I don't know if I'm going to heaven. But I just wonder if we're going to get up there and say to ourselves, we sure wasted a lot of time on a lot of stuff that meant nothing. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. You don't have to do what I do. I don't have to do what you do. But at some point in time, we've got to take all our chips and push them to the middle of the table and say, it's all for Jesus. Completely. You can play golf. You can play sports. You can watch basketball. Do it all. Just make sure that God calls the shots. And I just think we, 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 we're part-time Christians. We are. And I'm working on it. I'm just telling you I'm working on it. So don't feel sorry for me. I mean, pray that I get some sleep. Just pray that the little bit it multiplies like the five loaves and two fish. But I'm not, I'm not backing down. I'm not. I am running it till Jesus comes. And I'm living on a mission with an urgency. When you come to the point in your life where you contemplate the possibility of death and it looks very real then every bit of life you want to make count so I, I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm not in the business of fooling around and if, and if you want to fool around I don't want to fool with you because there's a work to be done a God to be served and only one life to live. Leviticus, would you go there with me in the word of God? We've got several baptisms and a long day back in service tonight, and I understand that, so I want to mind the Lord, mind your time. We're talking about strange fire. 
chapter 10 says, fire which he commanded them not. That's verse 1. So that's our definition of strange fire. Let's look at that, verse 1. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took even them a censer and put fire there and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord. You see that last phrase? Which he what? Come on, talk to me. Which he what? Which he what? So, so let's, not, let's not make this thing complicated. Here's what the Bible's calling strange fire. Stuff God told you not to do. Huh? Stuff you're not doing that God told you to do. We put like this, sins of commission is what I do wrong. Sins of omission is what I don't do right. You got any of them? You don't know the question? Do you have any sins of commission? Any sins of omission? Here, I want to define that for you today. It's strange fire. God doesn't want it. Just because we offer it doesn't mean he wants it. God's not a child growing up in a strict home. He don't have to eat it just because you put it on the table. Somebody say amen if you're one of them people that believe you don't eat everybody's cooking. I'm the pastor here. I love you. That don't mean I want your food. I'd have been to some of your houses. Stop by Popeye's before you come see me, all right? <laughs> Amen. The guy, the guy picking up trash on, for the county with dirty, grimy hands shouldn't be in the kitchen handling food. Cleanliness matters. Now, why in the world we, we, we believe that about cuisine and not about Christianity? Don't touch my food if you didn't wash your hands, but... But touch God's stuff if you don't wash your heart. Preach, Pastor. So in chapter 8, we've, we've been looking here at the requirement for priests. We've established, I know you're standing, just give me one, one more moment, that the priest in the Old Testament came through Aaron's line and his sons. That priest in the New Testament are represented by every believer. So if you're saved, then you are a priest. Well, you don't mean you have to have your collar flipped backwards. It doesn't mean you have to be standing up in front of people. It, it, it just simply means in the Old Testament, you needed a priest to go to God for you. Under the New Testament age, because of Christ's work on the cross, you do not need a priest to go to God for you. You get to go to God for yourself. That's what I mean by you are a priest. Having boldness to enter the Holy of Holies. Amen. Through the one-time sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the veil has been rent. So now I had to send somebody for me. Now I get to go myself. And now people with direct access to God don't even use it. You, you, you had the chance to, before you came here this morning to talk to the creator of the universe. And we're 12 hours into the day and you haven't even talked to him? So we're priests. So we can look at Leviticus 8 and look at the requirement of the priest figuratively and look at the requirement of us today because if priests had to do it back then, then we should do it now, right? At least symbolically. Today I want us to look at 
verse number 10. And Moses took the anointing oil. This is chapter 8, please. I'm sorry. Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle, all that was therein, and sanctified them. If you don't have a Bible, the verses are there for you. And he sprinkled thereof upon the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all his vessels, both the labor and his foot to sanctify them. And he poured on the anointing oil upon Aaron's head and anointed him to sanctify him. We've talked about the priest being fully separated, being familiar with the sovereign or the supernatural, the urim and the thumb. And today, just for about a couple minutes, I'd like to talk about being filled with the spirit. I said, I'd like to be talking about being filled with the spirit. And, I, and, by, and let me just forewarn you, this message will have nothing to do with speaking in tongues, tearing for the Holy Ghost, slapping up somebody, somebody upside the head, or running around the building, because that is the smallest manifestation of the spirit feeling that the world needs today. We need more, fewer people running around the building in church, and more of them running out there living for God. Amen. So, just to warn you. Now, Father, touch the message. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Moses took the anointing oil. The oil in the Old Testament is, for me, is symbolic of the Holy Ghost. The anointing. I would contend with you that most believers today are serving God without anointing. Most preachers are preaching that's a preacher. He already know what I'm going to say. So y'all say, how he say true? Preachers know what preachers going to say. <laughs> Most preachers are preaching without the anointing. And listen to me. Listen to me, please. Don't think you know what anointing looks like just because he looks like he knows what he's doing. Don't confuse anointing with proficiency. Don't confuse anointing with skill. Don't confuse anointing with pulpiteering. Don't confuse anointing with eloquence. Don't confuse anointing with cadence. Don't confuse anointing with volume or sound. Don't confuse anointing with manipulating crowds. Don't confuse anointing with people getting down. Don't confuse anointing with a bunch of shouting. Don't confuse anointing with a bunch of noise. Don't confuse anointing with a loud organ. Don't confuse anointing with the cranking up of drums. I'm not saying that drums are bad and organs are bad and choirs are bad, but I'm just saying a whole lot of them cranking and a whole lot of them getting crocked up are not anointed. Let's, let's look over at Ephesians chapter 5. Could we go there? Let's look at the New Testament explanation of spirit filling. Huh? The best way to define the Bible is with the Bible. We need context, right? Ephesians 5, we're following God as dear children, verse 1. But jump down, if you would, to verse number 15 of Ephesians 5. 5 and 15 of Ephesians. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 17, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. God wants you to know what he wants you to do. 
God wants you to know what he wants you to do. You can't be a good Christian if you don't know what God wants you to do. You can't know what God wants you to do if you don't read your Bible. You can't understand your Bible if you're not saved. And you cannot understand the Bible if you're saved unless the Holy Spirit is working through you. And he can't work through you unless you get yourself out of the way and let him work. Be not unwise, 18. Nine, uh, 18, sorry. Be not drunk with wine. Whole bunch of folks drunk with wine. I said, a whole bunch of folks drunk with wine. A whole bunch of other stuff they're drunk with. And the, the simile here, the comparison is, as wine influences and controls the drunkard, let's call it what Bible calls it. The world says alcoholic, Bible says drunkard. As wine influences and controls the drunkard, so the spirit should control the Christian. This is Ephesians 5 and 18. Be not drunk with wine. In other words, don't be inebriated, influenced, and controlled by alcohol. Instead, be controlled by the Holy Ghost of God. Now, watch this now. In order to get drunk, you've got to consume a lot of alcohol. In order to be filled with the Spirit, the Spirit needs to consume a lot of you. <laughs> Preach, Pastor. It, I can't fill you with the Spirit by hitting you. If I would, I'd hit all of you. I'd hit myself. You can't get it with the touch. You can't get it. To be filled means to be influenced and controlled. You can't be full of something if you're already full of something else. So sometimes in order to get filled, you first got to be empty. I wish somebody helped me preach. You got to be emptied of yourself. This is why I pray. God, cleanse me of sin and empty, of, empty me of myself. Then I pray, fill me with my spirit. You can't fill up a full vessel. Filled with the Spirit. Verse 19. 18 ends with a semicolon. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. I would submit to you the first requirement to be a singer or a worshiper in the church should not be vocal talent or proficiency. It should be spirit filling. Who cares if you can sing? Go to America's Got Talent. We want to know if the Holy Spirit can control you. And that makes your singing effective. Now, a whole lot of spirit-filled people shouldn't be singing. They can't sing. But that's another story. But just because you can sing doesn't mean you should in the church. It might be fine on American Idol, but this is not the idol. This is the house of God. Uh, look quickly at Galatians 5, and then I'm going to close. Because the pastor's got you here for, I've got you here for a long time today. So, tonight too. <laughs> 16 of Galatians 5. This I say then. Walk in the Spirit. And ye shall not fulfill. Not feel. You feel it. You're going to feel lust, but you don't have to fulfill. <laughs> Wait, wait, let's just, come on, let's keep it simple. I'm Holy Ghost filled. I'm Holy Ghost filled. No, you're not because you keep fulfilling the lust of the flesh. The Bible says if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill. Amen. Amen. Now, there's a battle, 17, lust, flesh against spirit, spirit against flesh. Flesh always wants to do wrong. Spirit always wants to do, come on, talk to me. Flesh always wants to do, spirit always wants to do right. You got both if you saved. You got one if you lost, just the flesh. 
Once you get saved, you get the Spirit. He comes to live inside of you. Amen. Amen. If Romans chapter 8 says if you don't have the Spirit, you're not saved. Amen. Okay, so you, 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 the Spirit bears witness that we are the sons of God. Amen. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, God, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The Holy Ghost comes to live inside of Ephesians chapter 1, we are sealed with the Holy Ghost of promise. I cannot lose my salvation because I've been sealed. Amen. Sin can't break the seal. Amen. But sin does eliminate the filling. You cannot do the things that you would because the conflict inside of you, if you yield to the flesh, you can't do the things you would. You can't do right. Can't do right even though you try because you're yielding to the flesh. This is what the Bible says. Well, if you live by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now look real quickly and let's close. Works of the flesh. Look at 19. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. 20. Idolatry, witchcraft. Witchcraft comes from the Greek word pharmakeia, which is the use of drugs. Don't want anybody doing that to feel like the Holy, the, the, the Scriptures does not address you. I'm, I'm glad the Bible was written right back then. It doesn't talk about drugs. Yes, it does. You just haven't studied it well. Witchcraft includes that. So, so all. And, and by the way, that just because weed is legal doesn't mean it's spiritual. Run and tell that. Okay, you, you're a Christian before you're a citizen. And your Christianity will never mess up your citizenship. But sometimes your citizenship can mess up your Christianity. Right, just because they sell it don't mean you have a right to buy it according to the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. Hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, enemies, murders, drunkenness, rebellions. We'll talk more about this next week. Here's, here's what I want you to get. If you're involved in this stuff, you are not filled with the Spirit. Amen. Go home and read it. Go home and read it. Find your sin. Find my sin in there. Find whatever I'm, whatever, whatever I'm guilty of. If I'm guilty of it, I'm guilty of it. I'm not guilty of it because every man in my family before me did it. I'm guilty of it because I'm not submitting to the Holy Spirit inside of me. No generational curse trumps the power of the Holy Ghost. I'll talk more with you about it if you come back. But if I keep you too long, you won't come back. God help us. God help us to insist on spirit filling. Or to refuse to worship without it. Amen. It was required of the Old Testament priest. And it's required of the New Testament Christian. Fortunately, he doesn't kill us like he did them. Our Father, we bless your name. I pray for the anointing on my preaching and on my teaching and on my living. 
Help us, Lord. Heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around. I wonder today, are you saved? Are you saved? If you're not, you can be. Pastor, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I have Bible reasons to prove it. Would you slip your hand up? Deacon Wright, we have baptisms. Thank you. Put your hands down. Pastor, I'm saved, but I, I need to get more committed about this spirit filling. This spirit filling. If that's you, would you put your hand up? Some of already have their hands up. Bless you. Bless you. Put your hands down. Pastor, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I don't want to go to hell. Please pray for me. Anybody like that? I'm not sure. God bless you. God bless you. appreciate these children, this gentleman. Anyone else? I'm not sure if I died, did I go to heaven? But I don't want to go to hell. God bless you, young lady. Church member, how bad do you have to be filled? Don't, don't, don't say the preacher's got to be filled and the, the deacon's got to be filled and, the, and those... have to be filled. What about everybody else? Let's get serious about this. Why don't you pray and talk to God about it? Make make your seat an altar. And may God help us. Our Father, we thank you. We bless you. Thank you for being such a good God. Lives hang in the balance based on our spirit filling. The effectiveness of the message of the Word of God hangs in the balance based on our spirit filling. People's view of God hangs in the balance based on our spirit filling. Our ability to be victorious Christians hangs in the balance over our spirit filling. So help us, Lord. Oh, God, help us. In Jesus' name. Let's give God the praise, will you?